today. See you later. Take care. Hi, I'm George Tekmanchov. This is Easton Podcast episode number 151. Wow. And I'm here with Greg the Hefe Easton. <laughs> Good morning, George. It's still morning, ain't it? Yeah, yeah a few more minutes. It's morning for a few more minutes here in Yankton. How are you doing, Greg? I'm doing I'm doing well, thank you. It's nice to be here. It's nice to have some better weather. Just watch the compound men make their way into the gold medal match, which will be exciting. They added a little drama at the end there with that nine for sure. It absolutely was dramatic because that match was about as close as it gets. But now we've got the United States of America men shooting against the their opponents for the uh, for the gold medal in front of a home crowd here in Yankton. Uh, this is pretty much what you wanted. Uh, yep, yeah, that'll be great. And the women made their way into the bronze match, so that's uh, that's that'll make them work for a medal to bring home. But we hope they hope they do well, of course. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, there's plenty more action going on this week as we speak. But uh, let's back up a little bit. Earlier in the week, you wrapped up the World Archery Congress as. Uh, You've been reelected to yes, sir, the executive yeah. board of World Archery, uh-huh. and yes, that's the body that really makes things happen in in the organization with the direction that it gets from the Congress. That's there. correct. Yeah, Congress. Uh, you know, they they need to vote on all the members get to vote. Kind of like I think almost a little bit like shareholders here in the U.S. Right? They get to vote on who's on the board. They get to vote on uh, the major laws and rules and that sort of thing, and and, and express their. Their opinion on things for other other uh, bylaws that we can make the board can make some changes on, but then yes, between Congresses, our our job is to uh, is to help continue to make those decisions. As you know, I mean, World Archery's got a great staff uh, led by Dr. Erdner and and Tom on the operational side of the as the executive director uh, secretary general, excuse me, and uh, which is the would be the executive director in most American organizations, right? right? Same idea. And so they uh, they obviously take care of everything. Uh, day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, and then uh, as things come up that they need a specific um, input from the board on, then we would be brought in and have we have regular board meetings, so yes. Yeah. So, functionally, um, this year, there were a number of initiatives that were looked at by the Congress. Some of them passed, some of them did not pass. Uh, major initiatives that might change the nature of the sport kind of get a cooling-off period if they don't pass. So it's really going to be about... 2025 after the Paris Olympic Games before some of the things come up again. Things like, for example, a smaller target for recurve or uh, 11 ring scoring for indoor or compound outdoor. So there's going to be some stability for the next couple of years. We're not going to see yeah. any major changes as a result. Yes, uh, you're exactly right. The uh, uh, a motion that fails in in one year can only be brought up not the next congress but the one after so four one. years later um and then also if there are rules affecting specifically the olympic games and olympic competitions they must be done this congress the one right after the games so that a country has a full four years three three plus years to adapt to it if, if there was a change yeah exactly so the next time a congress can really look at anything that can really affect the rules in a meaningful way for those of us who are day-to-day either recreational or club level or national team level archers really it's going to be about 2025 yeah i would say unless they come up uh one of the committees the rules committee or target committee came up with some other or something not related to target size or not related to timing. Right. I'm going to pause for a second. Yeah. 
So, um, you know, given the situation with uh, Congress and the way that the bylaws are set up, basically you got to have a cooling off period before anything major can be brought back that's been defeated in one Congress, right, Greg? Yeah, that's correct, George. The, there's just a rule that if, if something was brought up, you mentioned, uh, you know, you know, the target size and other things were brought up. If that gets defeated, what they don't want is two years later, the same exact motion coming back. So, yeah, they, they now will have to kind of wait for any changes on on target face sizes until four years the, the following Congress. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, fundamentally, we're looking at a period of some relative consistency in terms of how we do what we do. There may be some you know, possible changes to some smaller aspects of things, but you're not going to see wholesale changes like target faces being changed or distances or the way that we score, you know, an 11 ring being introduced. That's all pretty much on the back burner for the foreseeable future, really. After yeah. the Paris Games is the next time it could come up, even if it made sense for it to. And historically, you know, it seems like a lot of stuff like that might get rethought over time. We'll see. I yeah. mean, we just don't know. Yeah, I think a, a lot of those ideas and things that seem to come up are, you know, interestingly complex, right? There's, it's it's somewhat easy to take a, a certain perspective and say, oh, I know why that makes sense, or I know why that we would never want to do that. And, you know, when you really try to weigh all of it, it still gets, it's still, um, you know, uh, complex and not easy decisions. There's pluses and minuses to any change you make. Absolutely. And uh, that's why, I think, why that cooling off period is in there. And why we take the time, try to get the input from the members, all the member associations that are in attendance to say, you know, what do you what do you think? What do you guys want to do here? Yeah. And, you know, for those of you who are regular podcast listeners, you know exactly the reasons why that package of proposals had been presented. We'd spoken about it in depth with Tom Dillon on a couple of different podcasts, so we don't need to belabor that right now. But just to say, yeah, it's going to be a while before we see anything like that come back up again. And and that could be a good thing because, you know, it's it's hard enough for me to understand the rules. Greg, I, I can't remember them all the time. <laughs> That's exactly right. All right. So, yeah, moving on. Hey, we are at the world's largest outdoor archery center here in Yankton, South Dakota. And it is a initiative that is a partnership with the NFAA of the United States, the NFAA Foundation. But uh, the big player here is, of course, the Easton Foundations. Um, and... I would like to get your take on on having this second world championship event here. Mm -hmm. We had a youth world championship here a few years ago. Um, it's just a great place for archery, isn't it? Yeah, yeah absolutely, Bruce. Bruce, excuse me. I know it sounded like something Bruce <laughs> would have said, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> absolutely, George. Yes, it's it's one. Yeah, it's great to be back here. Um, By the way, we're we're wearing masks, and with a mask on, I'm sure I look just like <laughs> just like Bruce. Uh, you know, with the uh, and the Easton Foundation, we're, we're happy to be here and support, uh, you know, Bruce and the NFA wanted to move their headquarters. They had a plan for a, a smaller building and we got involved and said, let's do, let's give you some more support so you can build a bigger indoor facility, which they've used for a number of, uh, of events and for this type number of competitions. But this type of event, it's a, it's everything. It was Congress. It's where we're having lunches. And, and dinners for everybody. Um, Athlete Center yeah. and uh, even even the, booth, the, uh, yeah. the sponsors who are here, Lancaster yeah. and a few other of the sponsors. And so. we're following the IOC protocols and the WA protocols for health and safety. Mm -hmm. So there's even a lab in there taking care of testing for anybody that needs testing. And yeah. it's... Either uh, during the event, if they were to feel symptomatic or something, but also for a lot of people going, traveling home. Yeah, some that of is. them have to have the, yeah. the negative test before they can get on the plane, yeah. No, but it's great to be here uh, the, uh, you know, we've had some some ups and downs weather today. Look, today is nice. The next few days still look nice. Uh, just a light breeze, warm. I think 
good shooting weather. Yeah, for sure. Um, better, a lot better than yesterday. And, and the scores proved that this yeah. morning with the, uh, you know, the compound elimination rounds in the team event, mm -hmm. we saw perfect scores in many cases. And man, it went hammer and tongue. Like we started out talking about with teams like the USA and Austria. Man, what a great match yes. that was. Yeah, sure. And there's more great matches to come. And they're going to be in a great finals venue at the park, which is an epic riverside view. Yes. Uh, you're looking into another state, basically. You're mm -hmm. looking at Nebraska mm -hmm. across the river. Um, and the public is invited to that, and it's free. Absolutely, yes. And they've got, uh, I've looked at the, uh, the, in the, bro in the brochure or the program they got the event. is actually really nice piece it is lots of good information in there but they got a nice map of what that uh, venue will look like and uh, whether it's uh, music and uh, and activity areas and and uh, just not just uh, you know uh, the event but uh, balloon rides other things they're going to be doing yeah. to you know, really hopefully drag uh, draw the public in and let them get a taste of archery um, it's so fun you know people sit there and watch archery for a while and they just have no idea how exciting it is. Uh, I actually heard that coming out of the Olympics. Yeah. A number of people saying, you know, we just stumbled upon archery. And uh, I, I'm trying to think who I was a nurse in my doctor's office. I was going in for a physical. And, yeah. and we started talking about what I do. We started watching archery, and that's all I wanted to watch. And it was so exciting. And we're going to get back into it because our family, or our extended family is into it in another part of the state. And I'm like, that's great. You know, it's, I'm not imagining that happens everywhere. But, you know, getting getting people more exposed, it's why we've worked my dad, for sure. World Archery, the foundations, why we've worked hard to continue to keep archery in the Olympics is that's a great four-year stage for us. Absolutely. And it is one that continues to draw new viewers. Um, you know, NBC's platforms had plenty of archery available during the Tokyo Games. You know, this was, uh, this was a disappointment for me personally not being able to go there, but I felt like I was there anyway because the coverage was just so good. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way, George. I was looking forward to Tokyo. I'd spent some time there growing up, so it was going to be fun to get back there a little bit and uh, obviously be at the events. Um, saw, you know, working, not really working with, but seeing some of the presentations that uh, Yuko had made over the years of where the venue was and the, how, how great it looked like it was going to look and ended up looking. It was. It was uh, beautiful. well-run event, and I really, when I saw her, congratulated her on Fantastic event. Sorry, I wasn't there. Sorry, there weren't crowds. Uh, but you know, just congratulating them on on executing a game in in, um, in some very challenging times. Yes, and speaking of that, I mean, you know, let's let's um, look at this as a business situation for a moment. WA and every sport federation affiliated with the IOC really took a big hit during the time of COVID. Um, fortunately, I think that on a certain level. Some aspects of archery allowed some things to continue in archery, things like virtual events. Mm -hmm. yeah. But that doesn't replace the revenue that you'd have had from the Olympic Games at the time that the Games were originally scheduled. It doesn't replace the revenue generated by wisely run events that uh, provide for sustainability, all of which had been planned but now are quite difficult to do because of all the extra expenses, unanticipated expenses that you know, we're there like shutting down the World Archery Excellence Center for almost an entire year because of the rules in Switzerland. Understandable rules, of course. But, um, you know, it, it really has been a tough time economically for anybody involved in putting on sporting events, not just archery events. Yeah. So one thing that a facility like this dedicated to archery does is help to cushion some of that uh, cost. It's an expensive thing to put on a world championship. Yeah, ap 
Absolutely. Uh, for any organizer, even if you have a facility, it can be expensive. I know that it's expensive for the archers, travel, hotels, the registration fees, that sort of thing. Um, but having done a number of events, the Youth World Championships, uh, World five, Cups. five World Cups, uh, it's very difficult to actually make any money. If I, if I could break even, which I didn't, if I could have broken even, I, as I say, I would be happy to keep doing them. It's just so difficult. It's a when you really think about the pricing model, it's just a challenge because there's really not enough income to cover transportation, all the food, um, all the all the work here. Even though we got all these wonderful volunteers, it's still it's still costly to run. Sure. Your point about the revenue from the Olympics uh, and a lot of the international federations, um, my understanding is, you know, really struggled. It's a um, it's a challenging business model. You wouldn't want to own a business that its revenue was really effectively almost uh, 80 100 percent one organization and one event and that's the structure a lot of ifs have of you know they they get all the money from the you know ioc um the revenue sharing revenue from the sharing, television yeah. contracts and yeah. things of that nature the sponsorships out to the sports and that's what lets world archery do with the all the things they they do for our sport and uh yeah it without that revenue that should have been coming in last year yes it was a lot of um a lot of headaches, a lot of work, a lot of creativity on how to kind of, like you said, make ends meet. And uh, I applaud the, the whole the whole World Archery staff and organization for the sacrifices they made, the uh, compromises and things they had to do to, to get through this. Um, we don't actually even know what the revenue from Tokyo will be yet, but very soon they'll be officially announcing that and uh, that should get us back on another four-year, really another four-year, three-year cycle now, actually. Right. I mean, that's the thing. You know, we're less than a 1,000 days or just around a 1,000 days before the Paris Olympic Games, which is a pretty remarkable thing. Usually, that's when the foot is on the accelerator toward the Games, when you see that 1,000-day mark. And uh, now here we are already, and we've just wrapped up the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics, and we're looking forward to the Paris Olympics and Paralympics. Of course, there's a Winter Olympics Games in there in between, but that has nothing to do with WA per se. But I will say this. I think Tokyo saved our sport in terms of the team in Japan having put on a great event, the IOC being satisfied that you know our sport is still relevant because we had very major players in sport come back to... Uh, Tom Dillon and to Ur Erdner and to yourself and say, hey, the mixed team was better than I expected. The mixed team was great. The president of the IOC got to see mixed team. IOC kind of took a gamble and, and put mixed team on there as another medal opportunity for us. That paid off, didn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That was a, that was a great, a great um, event to add for all, all of those reasons. Um, it's fun to watch. It helps with the uh, the gender equity, it, it allows some countries that maybe were not able to um, bring a whole team, a three-member team, um, if they only got one one man and one woman there, they can then compete in yet another event for the medals. Yeah. And uh, and it gives another medals for archery. So, yeah, it was a, it was a nice ad. Didn't add um, any significant uh, housing or time or anything uh, to the event. So, yeah, it was a fantastic thing for all the way around. And I'm... I'm I think the archers enjoyed it also. I think you're absolutely correct. I also think that we had one of the most iconic things that I've seen in our sport from the standpoint of camaraderie, teamwork, that kind of thing, and that was Steve Weiler putting the medal around the neck of his teammate, Gabrielle Schlusser, 
and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I thought yeah. that was such a great gesture. And then later you saw other sports doing the same thing in their mixed team events. So that was fantastic. Yeah. I, yeah. Because you're right, the, the, the protocol wasn't to, if I understand right, the IOC member was no longer hanging the medal like right. they normally had done. They were they kind of handed to the athlete. Allow the athlete to take it off the tray, and then I guess a lot of them were putting on them themselves. Right. But yeah, when they started doing that. Yeah. Uh, giving it to each other. Yeah, that's a. That's we started a great, that with archery. A, so, is, is it, yeah, that's a great, great, uh, a great uh, gesture and a wonderful image. Yeah. Yeah, really a good image. It shows you know everything we want to show about the mixed team round, the universality, the gender equality, and the teamwork. And I think that that is uh, one reason why the IOC responded so positively. Thomas Bach, of course, uh, was there for it, and uh, he's as the president of the IOC. It was more or less his decision, along with that of the IOC members, the executive board to bring a mixed team medal to archery and darned if it didn't work out really well. Yeah. So, well, Greg, we've got a long week still ahead of us. We've got uh, today, uh, as we speak, the semifinals are where we're going to get to for the recurves in the team round, just like we had the compounds this morning. We'll shoot everything from the early rounds all the way through the semifinals, find out who's going to be shooting for gold, who's going to be shooting for bronze in Yankton this weekend. And uh, I hope you're having a good time, because I sure am. Uh, I am, Georgia. You mentioned the town and where we are. It's a small town. Uh, there's no kidding that. Um, but we are an event here, and that's what's exciting. There are people know we're here. The city's involved, the government, the county, all, all that support. And uh, even in Salt Lake, which is not a, not a huge town, uh, we were a very small event there and didn't get that attention. I, I personally think it's fun that we get that attention and, uh, you know, deal with the quirks of a, of a small Midwestern town. So um, I hope well, everybody continues to have fun and, uh, you know, can make their way to Yankton someday. You know what part of it is, is that Bruce is a force of nature. And in fact, that is a quote that I have from a taxi driver from yesterday. They said, yeah, Bruce Colley's like a force of nature. Tornadoes are a force of nature. <laughs> and he's got some things done more than some tornadoes I've seen get things destroyed. So a hundred percent. So no, but, all joking aside, Bruce Cole and his team, Brittany Solana, of course, oh, yes. and everybody else, um, just doing a fantastic job here. Thank you to all of you who are uh, headed to Yankton. Yeah. Looking forward to meeting all of you. Yeah, please yeah, stop by and say hi. And I also want to take this opportunity to to uh, thank George specifically for this podcast and all the effort you go through to put these on or, or, or corral people like me into talking to you for a few minutes. And uh, and I know Steve is on there with you a lot all the time. So thanks to both of you guys for putting the effort behind this. I hope, uh, I hope everybody out there listening enjoys these. Well, the downside is now you understand what a minimal effort it really is. <laughs> so, oh well. Hey, Greg, thanks for joining us. Thank you, George.